Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. I'd rather make a killing than a living. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking today, man? Dude, drinking a vanilla porter from... Where is it? Breckenridge Brewery in Fine, Colorado. Oh. And today, I closed on my first rental property. I signed, Wait, for real? I signed the paperwork. The notary, he came to my house. He stamped a lot of things. We became very close friends. I'm going to oh, email man. him. You shouldn't have said that because this is the pre-episode banter, and I know everyone wants to hear about that. Well, And uh, y'all are going to have to wait. They're going to have to wait, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah, You actually jumped into this stuff. Mm. I usually just, we, we get the guests on to talk about this kind of stuff, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I, then I don't. I, I did it. But uh, you did it. Nice. All right, man. Well, I'll be excited to hear about that. But uh, today we have got Kimberly Palmer on the show, and she is the author of a new book called Smart Mom, Rich Mom. You're also, you were or are the senior money editor at U.S. News and World Report. Uh, are you still there or not? Yeah, I actually just left with my book coming out, but I was there for nine years. Wow. Okay. So you know your stuff about money. You have two kids, I think I read. I do. I have two kids. Yeah. Awesome. So I don't think we've ever done an episode before about finances, like specific to moms. And that's probably an egregious oversight on our part. So I'm really happy to have you on the show and uh, pretty curious to hear what some of the differences are between being a mom when you're planning your finances. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. So I know one of the things you talk about in your book is like, there's going to be a bunch of new expenses you have to take on when you're expecting. And I guess that's probably a good point to jump in. So what are some of the things you have to start planning on buying and saving up for when you know you're going to be a mom? Yeah. Well, I think so much changes when you become a mom and that is just a part of it. So suddenly all these expenses, I remember being so surprised by like the, even just like the diaper cost alone. It's like your monthly bill for diaper costs and everything else you're buying for those basic needs just skyrockets. Mm -hmm. But actually the biggest one is the fact that most of the time people either scale back in the workplace or so they're earning less or yeah. you're suddenly paying a lot more for childcare. So one of those two things is probably happening and whichever one it is, it is so stressful and hard because just as your expenses are going up, you know, your income is strained. So basically it just really helps to start saving as soon as you know that you're pregnant. So you can start kind of putting aside a nest egg to help cover some of those costs. Yeah. Well, Andrew, I know you and you've mentioned a few times before on the show that like at some point in the future, you want to start a family. Have you, do you have like a little earmark account for like diapers and daycare <laughs> already? Or is it like something you're going to think about when the test result comes back? You know, um, so, so I'm working on turning Laura into a mom. Um, she's not a mom yet, but uh, we've actually talked a lot about how kids are going to be an insane amount of money. And that's actually like, we, we have no concept. So you are, you're asking about like costs of being a mom. And I'm kind of like, Tell me, because I have no clue. <laughs> I, I, I've heard that diapers are egregiously expensive, but I also don't know if I will clean off cloth diapers. And I'm sure Laura won't won't either. Like, what what sort of expectations you need to have saved to you know cut out of your monthly earnings to to raise a kid that has clothes? Well, I can give you a number. So it's going to be about eleven thousand dollars for your first year with a baby. 
that's and that's for middle income family in America. So, okay. you know, that's like a thousand dollars a month or so. And that's not including anything you want to be if you're, you know, really on top of things and you're saving for college, that's not including that. It's not including mm -hmm. um childcare costs or the cost of scaling back at work. So that's just your basic like clothing, food, diapers. So you can think really? of like eleven thousand a year and two hundred fifty, you know, quarter million dollars by the time they turn eighteen before you get to college. Wow, that is yeah. insane. Okay, I'm I'm really curious here because I would have thought like if you if you told me eleven thousand a month, a month childcare, yeah. dude, we are not sorry. as rich as you. A thousand a month, a thousand a month. <laughs> Factoring in childcare, that would make sense to me. Now, for a little background, um, I grew up in a house where my mom was doing home daycare for a good portion of my life. And I don't, I don't know what she charges now. There's inflation and everything. But I knew like when I was younger in high school, it was like 125 a week or something. Yeah. And I remember that being, I think it was cheap, but it's still like, how, how does it be? How's that a thousand dollars a month without paying for that? Like what exactly are you, can you break it down what you're paying? Yeah. For? Okay. So basically, um, two thirds are going to basic family costs that all go up when you add a new member to your family. So it actually includes the fact that for housing costs, your families who, who bring home a new member, they, they typically, their housing costs go up because they either need to move to a bigger place. Mm. So it includes your increased housing costs. It includes your increased food costs. Of course, if you're breastfeeding, that helps a lot, but you know, that only like by the time the bee's four or six months old, they start eating, they start eating yeah. real food. Um, so your grocery bill goes up and I mean, diapers, no matter how you approach it, like whether you're going to go with the cloth or, you know, buy pampers, like it's expensive. It's shockingly expensive. Like each of those, you know, packages of diapers is like $50. And I, I mean, we oh get them when my kids were younger, we get like one delivered a week. So it, it just, it all adds up so quickly. And then clothing, I mean, clothing actually, that's a good area to saving because you can actually get hand-me-downs and you don't have to worry about recalls for the most part with clothing, whereas you do with cribs and car mm -hmm. seats. But so clothes you can, you can save on because you can um, get hand-me-downs. But other things like the bigger costs, uh, car seats, cribs, I mean, these are all big ticket items. I, I didn't even think for, of that stuff. So you had to worry about recalls of those things? Yeah. So even though in general, in like saving money space, we like to talk about getting gently used things, you actually have to be really careful with that with babies because car seats, you, you don't want to get a hand-me-down car seat. You don't know if it's been an accident. Um, also, they're constantly being updated and made safer. So you want to get the best, you know, for your baby. Mm -hmm. And cribs, like cribs have gone through so many recalls. Other things have gone through recalls too, like um, baby slings or carriers where you're carrying them on your body. So you, with some of these like um, big items that you might see at yard sales, you actually don't want to pick them up because you, you have to make sure they're safe. How do cribs really? go through recalls? Oh like, do they, do they like fall apart? I thought it was That's just like a so bed funny. with a thing. I mean, I feel well, like this crib has like one little square inch where the baby can like run his head into it or something. Yeah. Oh. It's gotta be exactly. little tiny things like that. It was like a big thing. Like, I don't know if you guys know what drop side cribs are. No. What is? Oh, is that oh, where one yeah, side where completely like falls unhook down? Unhook the gate and then bring it down? Yeah. So those are now basically outlawed, even though that's what the whole crib world was like three years ago. Mm -hmm. So if you have a crib that's more than like three or four years old, you basically had to throw it out. Wow. Was the baby able to like unlatch it themselves and then get out or? It's actually really disturbing what babies did. They'd get stuck and, you know, you can actually suffocate in the mattress. So oh. you have to be really careful with the drop side cribs. Don't use drop side cribs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually remember this. This is like one of the few memories I have of when I was a very young kid. I think I was four. We had like a, I was in a bunk bed and I was at the top 
And I somehow slid myself through the guard and then like hung myself <laughs> from the guardrail. And I guess my mom must have heard it and came in and made that's, sure I didn't die. That sounds but really yeah, scary. Kids will find a way to hurt themselves. Yeah. Unless it's like perfectly designed. So I could see it having a, rec- a recall every year. <laughs> yeah. So you don't <laughs> buy used cribs. <laughs> so I guess um, since my mom was a daycare provider, we can talk about that a little bit. How much do you expect to pay if you're going to stay at work? And actually, can, like, what's the typical math for somebody deciding whether or not to stay at work or pay for childcare? Yeah, well, this is complicated because one thing that's been done traditionally is that the cost of childcare is subtracted from the woman's income, and you're like, oh, it's equal, so I might as well stay home. But that actually doesn't make any sense financially because then you're not considering all the benefits that you're getting that aren't you know, Mm. obvious in your salary, you're forgetting to factor in your long-term future income, which, you know, takes a big hit if you take time out of the workforce. So it's a very personal, complicated decision whether Mm. or not you're going to do that. But actually the cost of childcare varies so much based on where you live. And if you live in a big urban area, like I do, I live in Washington, DC, it's about $2,000 a month um, for for a daycare. And that's not even a nanny. A nanny would be double that. So it's, it's pretty double high. that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Andrew, your, your, your condo sounds cheap now. I know. In it. <laughs> Seriously. I have to get a third job to afford that. <laughs> I live in the middle of Iowa. So my rent is like 500 a month. So I've, I've wow, gone all this awesome. time thinking that Andrew's rent is just astronomical, but yeah, I guess for anybody with a kid paying for childcare, you know, even if your rent is very cheap, it probably ends up being about equal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I have two kids and for a while they were both in preschool slash daycare and it's more than our mortgage payment. Like it's totally crazy. So let me ask you, um, are you, you said you left us uh, news and I'm guessing you're, you're not leaving because of your latest (laughs) child or or you are, and you're saving on costs there. What's, what's the mindset behind that? Yeah, no, I left because I got a new awesome job. So I'm actually um, a full-time editor at AARP magazine now. Um, so I cover work and jobs. Um, and yeah, it's really fun. So, um, so still in the money, you know, personal finance realm, but, uh, you know, the 50 plus demographic. So it's, it's fun. Gotcha. Are you working from home for that or do you actually still go to an office? No, I'm here in my office. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's in, um, it's actually based in DC and I live in like the DC suburbs. Okay. So does that mean you have to do childcare for both your kids then? Yeah. Well, they're a little older now, so they're in school. Um, okay. Gotcha. So they go to school and, um, and, um, like school is awesome because they also have like aftercare. So it's actually super fun. They like do all these clubs after school. So it gets so much easier. So yeah, if you're like in it with the babies right now, just know like it gets so much easier because then like, they're at school all day and they're with their friends and they love it. So yeah. When they weren't in school, what'd you do? Did you have like a, a nanny or? No, we did the daycare. So that's why I was paying like double daycare preschool fees. So they're three years apart in age. So they were at the same preschool daycare and you get a sibling discount, but you know, not that much. So <laughs> we just like, I, we knew it was short term. Like we always call it like, this is, those are the lean years when it's like, you know, it just feels like crunch time. You just have to like power through it. And like, then when they start kindergarten, the costs go down. Mm-hmm. So you were at U.S. News for quite a while, right? Yeah. So I'm guessing you're you're pretty much as much of like a money nerd as we are. Yeah, totally. Were you planning about around the savings for a family before you decided to have a family? And like how, how far in advance were you doing that? Um, I mean, 
I would say like ever since we got married, which was like five years before we had our daughter, um, we were like, let's save as much as we can because it's gotten so much harder to save ever since we had kids. So Mm -hmm. thank goodness we did that Mm -hmm. because that was when it was easy before we had kids. That was like the easy time to save. So we just like saved as much as we could. And like, like a lot of people in America, I had no, um, I didn't have like fully funded maternity leave. So I had to at least have the savings for that because I took like six months off with each baby. And um, that's like, you know, a big loss of income and it's hard to keep up with your other costs. So we saved for that. Um, and we saved for the childcare cause that was like where we live at like 2000 a month, um, mm-hmm. for the infants. So yes, we started saving as soon as we got married. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So was there a point where you guys were like, all right, I think we're ready. We can do this now. Or was yeah, it just like, eventually would... we'll feel ready. Um, I would say that the finances were not what was the factor in feeling ready. That was more of like an emotional decision. Like okay. feeling ready was not like, oh, now I have this amount in my bank account. Let's go. <laughs> it was not yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just curious, like what proportion of people, you know, do that. They're like, there's a specific dollar amount that I got to hit before I'll even consider it. I don't know. I Are like- you like that, Andrew? <laughs> no, or you're just no. like, eventually I'm just going to do it. Just going to roll with it. Just go with it. Yeah. Okay. It's actually, it brings up a really good, uh, really good point because I mean, you were thinking about this five years before you had your first kid, when yeah. you got married, when you go into job interviews or when you start researching jobs, what sort of effort and research do you need to put into the maternity leave policies and what sort of questions should you ask during an interview? Cause I would imagine like some people might be anxious about bringing that topic up and maybe yeah. think that it might like decrease their chances of getting hired. Cause mm. oh my gosh. that's a good point. It's such a good point. So first of all, you don't want to bring it up until you have the offer, but then as soon as you have the offer, that's when like the power is in your hands and you want to ask all that. There's actually a great website, Fairy God Boss, where women say how family friendly their companies are. So you can get some of those details. Like do you have maternity leave? Is it funded? Um, Do you have flex schedules? Like things that parents care about. Um, And I know like in my case, uh, as soon as I thought I might, you know, change jobs. I like immediately called someone I knew and asked all about what they knew about the work-life culture. Cause it's so important. Like you can't like as a parent, like if you're suddenly in a position where you're supposed to work, you know, 80 hours a week, that might not work for your family. Yeah. What was the website again? If fairy God boss, fairy God boss. Okay, cool. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. Then that sounds like a pretty good resource. Yeah. So you said that you took six months off. You didn't have a paid maternity leave. Right. Uh, How did you handle that? Like, how did you get yourself that? And did you have to like, I mean, I guess you were still at your, your job. So how did you handle leaving and coming back? Six months is like, a really long time. Okay. It seems like a long time, but actually like no one misses you. It's fine. Like, I feel like you just have to like decide (laughs) and do it. Like, I'm not even joking. Like you get back and it's like, nothing has changed. Everything's Mm -hmm. rolling. So I think like you just have to realize, Oh, I'm actually like not that important in the scheme of things. I mean, like if, if, if you're, you know, the CEO of your company, maybe it's a little different, but, um, for most of us, it's like things keep rolling they're doing well, fine. That, that would vary between company to company. Yeah. So, I mean, U.S. News and World Report's pretty, I, w- I would guess, a pretty sizable company. Um, I'm imagining, like, you know, three years down the line, Andrew's company is like to the point where we can hire real employees, or mine is. That would be a pretty big thing for a small company. True. That's Are there maternity different. leave situations where maybe the mom doesn't completely disconnect from the company? They still have some sort of input or kind of like a check-in every week. Is is that kind of expected with some smaller companies? 
Yeah. And that actually can be really useful. I mean, it's so easy now to be connected anywhere. You can be wearing, you can be breastfeeding and like on a conference call. So yeah, that is, you know, super helpful for me. I guess it was like, so I worked at a really big company and they had like a specific policy. So you could in writing, take up to six months off. So all I had to do was say like, yes, please. Like, that's what I'm going to do. So when you're at a big company, it's probably a little easier, but of course, like all this, all these techniques where we can like stay in touch and answer email and, you know, be available no matter what state we're in. Um, yeah, that's super helpful. I'm curious for, for both of you guys, cause I know Andrew, you've got plans to do a family and then you've mm-hmm. got your own what's easier being an entrepreneur or having like a, you know, very connected job you can do from anywhere or, working for a huge company that can accommodate a real maternity leave. Are you asking me or Andrew? I guess both <laughs> you guys. Like, what, which one would you, would, would I don't you have prefer the to be in, Andrew? Do you have like a preference? You know, um, my preference is to not have a job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, maybe the, the right question is what's the, the smartest thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to take a paternity leave and I know that uh, my job doesn't allow it. I could take vacation and maybe do an unpaid bit. I guess as a guy, and I, I'm, I know it's much different between guys and girls, but I would be worried that they would move on without me. And I, I know that, um, you know, you were you were lucky uh, that they that they didn't move on. But I think a lot of moms do have to worry about <laughs> That's that. It's so like what what would you need to consider to. I'm so, I, I become like worse at asking questions as we're doing the podcast. I, I just end my questions mid sentence now. <laughs> I think, I think I get the, the gist of your question. Yeah. Cause like, how do you gauge the kind of culture at your company, how things are progressing? How do you, how do you know you can feel safe that your position will be as you left it when you come back? Yeah. Is there kind of a, a, a gauge for that. I think it helps so much if you've seen colleagues do it before you. And I know that I just like modeled myself on what I saw my coworkers do. So it's something to look for when you're interviewing too. Like if you see, if you have women role models or, you know, dad role models, um, who are a few like 10 years ahead of you, that can just like be your guidepost. And you're like, okay, they, so I actually copied what another woman did before me, which was like, write it all down, um, explain your, when you're going to come back and who's going to be taking over for you for the different responsibilities while you're out. So like being super organized and planning ahead, I think that all helped. So yeah, I mean, you don't, you're not like the first parent to ever do it. So hopefully you can like copy some useful techniques from people who did it before you. If someone takes care of your stuff when you're gone, doesn't that technically mean that they'd never needed you in the first place? <laughs> That's probably true of of most of us, you know, working at big companies. So then you have to get back and like prove yourself again. Mm. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I was feeling secure in my worth, so I wasn't too worried. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm also, I wasn't like you. I wasn't like the the big boss. So you did your six month maternity leave at first with your first child. How did your time management have to change once you came back? Oh my gosh. First of all, for a lot of moms like me, I, so I was pumping breast, breast milk, like, like twice or three times a day. So what does that mean? <laughs> so you basically have to go into like a closet, shut the door and like pump the breast milk for like half an hour, like two or three times a day. And that's a lot of time. So suddenly you have so much less time for meetings and like everything is crunched. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you're like, 
as soon as like it's five o'clock, at least for my schedule, I was like, I want to get out of here and like not be the last mom at daycare pickup. So it's like suddenly I wanted to be so efficient. And I think it made me like so much more efficient because I just like I wanted to, you know, focus on my daughter. So that was kind of a good thing, I think. Okay, actually, that kind of makes sense. Because, you know, there's the whole Parkinson's law thing. Work expands to fill the yeah. time allotted for it. And when you have something you really care about, I do remember my mom saying uh, she had to work in a, back, a battery factory for like the first year of my life. <laughs> and she was like, I was there at 5.50 a.m. to start wow. the earliest possible 6 a.m. shift. I skipped my lunch and I got home immediately like at 2.10 because I wanted to be with my baby. And... I guess that they would definitely uh, be a thing that could increase your motivation to get work done more efficiently. Oh my gosh, totally. Oh yeah, I love your mom's technique. I do that in like a less extreme scale. So like my husband drops our kids off so I can start early so I can leave early. And I mean that it helps a lot because as soon as like, you know, your kids are out of school, it's like, ah, like I want to be with them, you know? So it's, it helps if you have the flexibility to shift your schedule a little bit. Yeah. Our friend Warren Buffett once said, never depend on a single income. Make investments to create a second source. If you've been with us for a while, you know there's a quote we live by. We just finished a book with our seven other core ideals. It's called Eight Simple Ways to Actually Grow Wealth, and it's free. In order to grab yourself a copy, just head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash subscribe. Once you confirm your subscription, you'll be able to download the book as well as free chapters of Mastering Mint and the 10-Day Debt Reduction Plan. You get the book, links to our best stuff, and some exclusive subscriber-only creations. It's time to get serious about your finances. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash subscribe and get it done. If you're watching like ads on TV, uh, everyone is selling to moms. And I think it's like no secret that moms kind of run the show buy the things for the households. Um, now, when you had your first, when you had your daughter, you obviously, there wasn't like an instruction booklet that came with this. So how did you kind of, because um, run the family and keep things going af- after you gave birth? Um, basically, Amazon Prime did it for me. I just, like, <laughs> automated everything. So, like, literally, I still get this. Like, every month I get my, like, because I subs- do the subscribe and save, which they had, mm-hmm. like, Amazon Moz, but I think anyone can do it. Yeah, that saves me so much money because, like, my kids eat the same snacks and, like, they don't need diapers anymore, but they need, like, toothpaste and, like, all the basics. And I don't have time to shop. Like, I don't want to be shopping on the weekend. And also, I think going online and doing everything online, you can, like, compare prices more easily. So, I basically, my answer was, like, automating everything and that maxed out my savings. Like, I think I save so much each month just by, like, having it all automated like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you use that too, don't you, Andrew? Yeah, I, I wind up having like a hundred rolls of toilet paper <laughs> at random times. <laughs> I don't know how you fit them in your apartment. That's why you have like storage so in the roof. <laughs> yeah. uh, so besides your book, which focuses on the money side of it, did you use any, like, did you like go buy a book for raising a family? Like what resources do you turn to or do you just kind of wing it? I love reading books about parenting. Um, but right, like sometimes it feels kind of like homework, but like some, mm. 
some books like um, All jo- Joy and No Fun. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's um, like it's about like how to make it, or it's about how parenting can be really like overwhelming and stressful these days because we're all obsessed with doing it right, but how to like have fun instead. But I don't know. I actually I have like a big stack of books next to my bed, but they all are like about the opposite of parenting because that's like my escape time. You know, like when I read books, like I want to be thinking about other things. So. Yeah, I kind of guess just wing it, I guess, except for those few books that I really like. Okay. What did becoming a mom do to your career goals? It made me so much more ambitious. Like, I remember, uh, yeah, I actually just really came home to me when I was sitting at orientation, kindergarten orientation with my daughter. And I was just getting, like, so excited for her and, like, her future. And, like, you know, at kindergarten orientation, it's like the world is the limit. Like, you can do anything. And then I was like... Well, like it just reminded me of like my big dreams too. And like it, it made me, I don't know. It made me feel like, oh yes, like let's reinvigorate my dreams. Like maybe I've kind of put some of those things on the back burner, focusing on raising two young kids, but like maybe I can get back to that a little bit. So Mm. yeah, I would say it just inspired me like seeing her and as my son gets older, him too, like it's inspiring because like you want them to follow your dreams and you want to be an example for them. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I think that's really good and the mindset to have about it. Uh, I was reading a book. This is like not a parenting book. But <laughs> I was reading a book today uh, about learning math and engineering. It was written by this person who majored in like linguistics, uh, went into the army. And then she realized after she got out that she needed like a more technical background to do anything she wanted to do. And it just kind of reminded me that we go to college and we spend like this relatively small portion of our life learning a specific skill set. And then a lot of us kind of believe that that's what we do for the rest of our lives. But I mean, actually you can, you can study just as hard when you're out of school. You can study just as hard, even if you have kids and you can do something different. Mm. Totally. Yeah. I think it's really cool. <laughs> um, so have you thought about like, college savings yet for your kids yeah so actually writing this book is what like finally got me motivated to do that and I wish I had done it sooner like as soon as they were born I've even heard of some people doing it when they're pregnant so Andrew you can think about that like getting a head start on that <laughs> like starting the college savings fund when they're pregnant yes yeah so the most common one you probably know is the 529 account and it mm-hmm. basically means you have a tax advantage because the money can grow um and you don't have to pay taxes on those uh, that growth So, yeah. So as I was writing the book, I was like, I really have to get this together. So I finally opened up 529 accounts for each of them. And, you know, I wish I'd done it five years ago, but I did it. And then I actually set up um, automatic savings for that, too. So each month, like, you know, who has time for to think about this every month? So I just Mm -hmm. set it up to automatically deduct. And so now at least I know I'm making like steady progress. Mm -hmm. And so these things are like basically the same structure as an IRA, right? Yes, it's similar. Um, yeah, so like, I think the limit, what was the limit? Maybe like, what was the limit? Oh gosh, I'm not going to remember the exact number limit. Something in the range of like five. I never even try anymore because people just flame <laughs> me on the internet when I get it wrong. Yeah, so there's a limit like, um, and yeah, and then if you make like steady progress, you have 18 years if you start or, you know, when they're born. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're, you're saving every year, like it, it adds up. Yeah, definitely. How much do you need? 
it depends where they go and what they decide. Um, But there was a really good um, fidelity analysis that suggested doing $5,000 a year per kid. And, you know, depending on the market growth and everything, you should have enough um, to send them to what private university currently costs. And of course, those costs are going up all the time. But yeah, so that's a good, you know, ballpark figure. But, you know, it's so important to prioritize your own retirement savings first. So this is Mm, like something mm. to do after you take care of that. That was, yeah, it was going to be my next question though, I guess is, so is your plan to send both kids to a private university? Cause I mean, no, I, I, have, I went to public, so I'm, yeah. I'm kind of on the public side and I'm like five grand a year for 18 years. Sounds like a bit much for, yeah. for college. No. But. Okay. So no, that's, I don't have a plan like that. My job is to save money and their job is to figure that out. So like we mm, can talk okay. about that when they're 17, but um, no, I'm not like pushing expectations. Mm-hmm. They're still young. <laughs> <laughs> next year. What do you do? <laughs> And I mean, this would be a good problem to have, I'm sure. But what do you do if you end up with like too much in the 529? Yeah, that's a great question. So the good news is that it can be used not just for grad school, for your child, but for yourself or any other education related expenses. You can transfer it to other family members, including you. And like actually a lot of um, older adults, when they, when their kids leave the nest, like they might say, Hey, it's time for me to get that master's degree. I always wanted. So, um, yeah, so there is flexibility in that way. And of course you could always withdraw it, but you would pay a big penalty. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's the same 10%, right? I believe. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and then, and then people in the comments told me I was wrong. Yeah. I don't know. My cle- my keyboard is too clicky to look things up on the show. So sorry. Guys. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you need to prioritize your retirement over college savings. How do you do that? How do you, is it just like a straight, I need this for much, much for retirement uh, before I had kids, I'm going to keep that number after I have kids or do you adjust it? What does your retirement planning look like now? So, yeah. So basically I've always shot for like 15% of my income a year. And I think that's a good ballpark. But like if you waited to start saving till you're like 35, it might need to be higher than that. So of course it depends. The earlier you start, the lower percentage it can be to still get to a reasonable number. So I love online retirement calculators to just like punch in your own numbers because everyone's different. It depends on your salary and how old you are and like when you might want to retire. So there's so many different personal factors that play. But for me, like I aim for that 15%. And yeah, when things get really tight, like after, I think it was like when my daughter was born, we also bought a house and it was like so stressful. So yeah, we just scaled it back and like, it's easy to adjust, um, you know, whenever you want online. So it's something that you can, um, rely on to like, if your budget feels really tight, you can like cut it down for a period, but you don't want to do that for too long because then you won't have enough retirement savings. So definitely before you open up that 529 account and start funneling money into there every month, you want to make sure you're hitting your retirement savings target. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. What's your philosophy about having your kids pay for college themselves versus you paying for them? Uh, And I I asked because I actually just learned something the other day about my own parents' plans. When I went to college, I had to fund it myself and they told me like, you're on your own. And uh, just the other week, my dad was like, we were prepared to help you if we needed to. Wow. We didn't say anything about it because we wanted you to figure it out on your own. And then we'd come in and help if we needed to. And then I ended up getting scholarships so they didn't have to. Yeah. What's your philosophy on, I guess, letting them know how much you'll contribute right. versus having them do it themselves? Yeah. So this is definitely like a controversial area. I know parents have different views, but like personally, I feel like in today's economy, I'm sorry. 
in today's right. economy. Um, having a college degree helps so much. And like some might even say it's like essential mm-hmm. for certain types of jobs. And so I sort of feel like for that reason, it's our responsibility as parents to pay for college um, or at least help them to the best mm-hmm. that we can. So that's why I do try to save for college. And it's not a secret. Like I talk to them about it all the time. I want them to know we're making certain sacrifices today in order to do this. Um, and I think it helps them to be just like general, gen, generally aware of the importance of savings. Like that's one concrete goal they can know about and we can mm-hmm. talk about it. So yeah, so that's kind of my take, but I know it's very personal and everyone kind of comes at it different ways. Yeah. So you're pretty open about the fact that like we, we plan on having enough to pay for you guys to go to college with your kids. Um, I don't, I'm not like saying it like that. Cause I don't know if I will, but like, we just, mm-hmm. I just tell them like, we're saving every month for this. And like, now we're going to make pizza instead of ordering it. And that'll save us like $30. So that adds up to $1,200 a year and we'll okay. put that into college savings. So it's more mm-hmm. like talking about how we're savings. I'm not like, I don't even know if we'll have enough. Like I have no idea if we'll have enough to pay for college. So I'm not saying like, we will definitely do that. That's impossible to predict. I'm just more having that discussion to show them the whole idea of like sacrificing today for a future goal. Yeah, exactly. How old are your kids now? They're six and three. Six and three. Okay. So for the six-year-old, I'm guessing the three-year-old, not so much, but for the (laughs) six-year-old, what have you started doing to prepare them for their own financial responsibility? Oh my gosh, so much. So um, they ask for, both of them actually ask for stories all the time of when I was little. So Mm -hmm. I try to tell them stories with like a financial angle to them. Like Mm -hmm. when I really wanted a hamster, my parents made me like drop a cost proposal and like, how was I going to pay for that out of my allowance? Um, So I try to kind of introduce concepts that way because they're asking for those stories anyway. And then also um, when I sit down to pay bills, which is usually on the weekend, I have her sit next to me. So the most, like I automate most bills, but some still come in paper, like the water bill. Mm -hmm. And so I show her like, oh, wow, like we use a lot of water this quarter. Like what can we do to cut back? And then like, she'll be like, you guys, let's like stop having such huge baths every night, you know? So (laughs) it gets her mind around it <laughs> oh, that's, that's really cool awesome. did you end up getting a hamster oh yeah i love did my you? i love my hamster <laughs> <laughs> i had a hamster when i was a kid too and awesome. ended tragically but <laughs> it, it does when, when you have more than one kid and one has a small pet and there are dogs as well <laughs> you're just asking did they get eaten trouble. yeah oh yeah oh my gosh those little hamster balls yeah. They don't actually keep a dog out. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, it was it was pretty sad. I ended up getting rats after that. Wow. Which are honestly better your, pets. Your parents let fair. you get rats? Yeah, they did. My and, mom would never have. Uh, the day the rats were gone, my parents were like, all right, the rodent <laughs> experiment is over. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want any more. Because you have to like clean their cage out every week. And I don't know, they just they get things messy. So I'm sitting here and I I don't want to like jump back in the conversation, but I feel like the one question for me uh, is you get a lot of maybe like scare tactics around kids and how like, for example, in the beginning, how brutally like sleep deprived you're going to be. Um, and, and you, you worked, or I mean, you, you took six months off and worked, but I'm sure you did plenty while you're off those six months. Um, how did you like remain functional? Do you have any like tips for that? Is it really that bad? 
Yeah, it is that bad. It's oh, terrible. Man. I was not functional. <laughs> no, it's terrible. Like, um, I think my kids might have been just especially bad sleepers, but yeah, you'll be a zombie. I think Andrew was hoping that you would say, actually, that's all fake. It's going to be just as easy as it all is. you have to do is sign up for mint.com and you will sleep. <laughs> no, we tried everything. Like I have like a stack of six sleeping books. None of them worked. So no, we didn't sleep for like three years. It's- oh my God. Three years. Because oh, well, of both of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. wow. And actually, my that's son really didn't start sleeping till like last week. So I'm oh. feeling great right now. So great. You actually decided to get a new job. You were sleeping so well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So did you go straight from from U.S. News to this new job? Yeah, I did. So you're being a mom, writing a book, and working full-time. How the heck did you do it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've done two of those things, but these <laughs> kids. <laughs> I mean, I guess, so I did a lot when they are taking their naps on the weekends. That was like my book time. Um, the evenings. Um, yeah, just like I didn't ever look for like a big, long chunk of time, but more just like stealing little pieces where I could. And I had a year to write this book and I just had a goal of like a thousand words a month. Um, okay. A thousand words a week, maybe. Yeah. That makes more sense. A thousand words a week. And so I just kind of like progressed slowly. Did you set it for like, did you do a straight like 200 words per day goal or was it like, I'll have one writing day per week and I was cranked out. Well, so, okay. I do tend to write in spurts, but it'd be like, um, I would do a thousand a week, but I wouldn't break it down more than that, but it would just turn out like maybe two hours. One day would be like writing a really rough draft. And then the next day would be like fine tuning it. If I, so it was more like maybe an hour and a half a day on average, but at different points during the day, like maybe the evening, the early morning nap time. Mm-hmm. How did, did you, you deal? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, how did you find time for your husband as well? Because he, <laughs> he needs TLC as much as the kids do. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, I like the evenings are our time together. So like after our kids go to bed, so, so you don't work. Obviously, then. I'm not. I mean, I definitely don't right now. Like there were periods when I was like, oh my gosh, I have to make this deadline. Like, sorry, I can't like hang out tonight. Like I'm getting, but like he understands. Like he mm. wanted me to finish it too. Mm-hmm. So now, now we have our evenings back because I'm not, I'm not writing. I don't have a deadline looming. So. I mean, the weekends, evenings, like luckily my parents live nearby. So we have like lots of date nights and, mm-hmm. um, cause like, you know, my kids love hanging out with their grandparents. So mm-hmm. that helps. Are you, so you're originally from DC? Yeah, I am. I grew up here. Did you go to school around the same area or did you go somewhere else and then come back? Um, so for college, I, I left, I went left for college and I worked in Japan. I went to grad school in Chicago. I went to college. That's in cool. But then I came back. Yeah. Did you I do like it. the jet program or did you work? somewhere else no, in Japan. I actually worked for a newspaper there um, in Tokyo. Do you right know in- Japanese or were you? I did. I did at the time. I've forgotten most of it, but yeah, okay. I mean, I, at the time I conducted some interviews in Japanese, <laughs> um, but I think that, yeah, my brain is, I could not like have a conversation at this moment in Japanese. Um, so, how, I mean, how did you deal with, uh, I'm guessing you have to deal with a lot of interruptions when you're working at home on your book. Yeah. So was there like a place in the house where you could go and, or did you just tell your husband, like, you have to deal with the kids right now. It's my time to go hang out by myself. Yeah. I mean, it helps most when they're out of the house for sure. Um, so like he would take them to the playground. Um, 
what else did I do? Well, actually like nap time was huge. So like there was a period of time when I was writing when they would like literally be asleep for two hours on a Saturday afternoon. And that was like my most productive time. Hmm. Um, the other thing I do now, like when I still need to fit extra things in is, um, kids birthday parties. Like they often, like I just bring my laptop and like, there'll be like a quiet area for parents. Like, I mean like big birthday parties at like gymnastics studios and whatnot. Like they usually have like a quiet parent area. So a big product because then you're kind of like oh i have an hour and then you just like type really fast <laughs> gotcha gotcha so the last question that kind of pops into my head uh and this isn't super finance related but i was i was thinking about the maternity leave i mean you're home for six months and you've got the baby there how much time do you spend outside of the house and like do you feel like the need to get out is it get kind of i don't know like lonely there um, yeah. I mean, I did like, I was really into baby yoga. So we did a lot of baby yoga and like, I met a lot of moms that way. I love moms groups. My, like I go, like I took both of them for walks every day. Um, yeah, I didn't stay in the house. <laughs> so yeah, I like all sorts of, there's so many cool mom baby stuff to sign up for. And that's such a good way of meeting moms. So that mm -hmm. was super fun. How do you find those things? Yeah. Um, I think like I found them through just like, oh, there's a yoga studio. Let me see if they have a baby class. And, um, like I live in kind of like, I can walk to like where there's like coffee shops and yoga studios. So I just kind of checked out the options. Okay. And yeah. I'm guessing baby yoga doesn't mean like the baby's doing a down dog. It's like a daycare with a yoga. <laughs> no, they do it. Wait, they for real? Yeah. So like you put them in front of you and like you do down dog, like on top of them. Oh, okay. Gotcha. They love it. <laughs> All right, now do the headstand and put your baby on your feet. <laughs> they love it. It's so fun. Yeah. They okay. usually fall asleep and then you can just keep going. So gotcha. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I have yoga in a few hours tonight. So nice. But no babies there. No babies. <laughs> <Unfortunately>, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Kim, I know you have your book, which is uh, Smart Mom, Rich Mom. Do you have like a website or anywhere people can go to connect with you? Yeah, it's Kimberly-Palmer. That's P-A-L-M-E-R.com. And I'm on Twitter, Kimberly Palmer. Awesome. Well, we yeah. will have all those links up in the show awesome. notes. Thank you and so much. Thanks, yeah, thanks for so much, uh, so much for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right, guys. So if you've got questions about, well, I guess, being a mom or money of any kind, then uh, our email is listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Money Matters Man and check out our community of money nerds. I'm sure some of those are moms with their own perspectives over at listenmoneymatters.com slash join. And uh, the last thing is we have our toolbox full of books and resources. I'm guessing this book will probably go on our book list eventually over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. So thanks for hanging out and we will see you next week. Later, guys. Later, man. Tell your friends about this show. <laughs>